You are listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister, followed up by question and answer exchanges with groups of his students. Among the most common things that bring people to practice, the real seductive pull that most people feel that brings them either to a, a zendo or ashram or church tends to be pleasure. They want to get a fix of some type of peace. Answers for these burning questions that they may have. A simplicity that helps steady the inherent chaos of day-to-day life. And yet the brutal irony is that the more we actually examine our life, the more we actually engage in the experience of just witnessing what's happening, the more we engage that process, the more desperate we can become. And this is why people will leave. They'll leave a spiritual practice because it gets tough. I'm reminded of this uh, experience I had while I was in a Uh, monastery in Thailand and it was so remarkable forgive me if I'm looping here but there was this moment when I walked into my um, cell essentially it was about six by eight six by eight is a slight rectangle and all I had was uh, uh, I had my backpack with all my stuff in it, but there was a cement slab, a straw mat, and a wood block for a pillow, and then a mosquito net. And that was all I had for a week. And when I walked in, the, the attendant showed me, and by this time we were in silence too, and he showed me kind of in silence, you know, this is, this is your assigned room and so forth. It was what he was communicating just with his body and he kind of smiled. And I don't know if I smiled back, I probably didn't, but I walked into that room and this line by Thomas Merton just went off in my head. My four walls of freedom that hopefully this cell that uh, I would spend the next several um, several days and ten days, ten nights actually in this little, this little cell, and then the days uh, from 5 a.m. on through uh, 10 o'clock at night, meditating, eating of course in between and so forth, but in total silence, just doing this this uh, 10 day vipassana retreat. And around day, uh, I guess it was five. Uh, 
the guy who was next to me in the cell next to me uh, pulled me aside and you know being the maverick that I am I'm totally interested in talking especially if it's a silent retreat right and he says uh, I can't do this and I said why not what's going on and he said I just don't want to face the stuff that's coming up and what was so interesting was I was in the same exact place the stuff that was coming up was stuff I thought had gone away I thought I'd, I'd dealt with that my therapist already walked me through that years ago why is this coming up now right if my practice were any good this this would be over um, it's not over it's never over but your relationship to that stuff can shift dramatically if you give it attention uh, the guy ended up leaving and and uh, I ended up staying uh, but that was probably because uh, my girlfriend at the time was in the the uh, compound on the other side of camp and I didn't know that I, I couldn't really talk to her uh, so I figured I if I left that would be really problematic for the relationship you know, leaving her somewhere in Thailand like that <laughs> so I stuck it out and I'm very glad I did and I'm very glad all of those people were right there next to me wordlessly sitting in their own pain wordlessly experiencing their own four walls of freedom we were stripped of every creature comfort yet the recognition was that there is still this amazing fullness to the life experience no matter what's not there It brings up pain. This work brings up pain. If you're really examining your life, it welcomes Mara. Mara is the, the uh, devil in, in Buddhist um, lore. Welcoming Mara is the same thing as welcoming God. We welcome every experience with the steadiness. And the steadiness happens as we exercise this witnessing presence. Witnessing my inhalation. Witnessing my exhalation. Witnessing my embarrassment witnessing my glory witnessing my bliss witnessing 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 the minute we start to witness everything without holding anything back we begin to welcome everything everything just like in the matrix when they're about ready to fight holds his hand out everything bring it 
bring it because I'm not moving. I'm not going to flinch. I'm going to stay right here. And the eye that is staying right here miraculously turns into something other than the eye I've always known. But studying that pain, studying that pain allows us to, it's almost like uh, studying that pain is how we empty it out of our cup of experience. We make room for more experience that way. Rumi says, pain will be born from that look inside yourself, and this pain will make you go behind the veil. This look inside brings up this pain, this open, ready presence in the face of the onslaught of our discomfort allows us to go behind the veil. What keeps the veil there? when the pain overwhelms us and we turn away or when we go after it and seek it out we go after we want to find more pain this is the same thing as trying to avoid our pain it's the same move the way to transcend it is to meet it when we tend to avoid our grief it is a natural tendency, and we actually live in a culture that uh, is hell-bent on making sure that we have every single opportunity available to avoid any type of grief. When we succumb to that, we succumb to an inability to awaken. Avoiding grief, we avoid awakening. Avoiding grief, we're really avoiding bliss. If we avoid grief, but only try to let the bliss in, all the bliss, all the happiness that comes our way becomes increasingly temporary. Because what we've done is we've set up a valve system psychologically that blocks this stuff, but allows this stuff. The blocking requires so much energy that there's no freedom. That there is no freedom means that there is no ability to really receive love, let alone give it. So we welcome our experience. We welcome Mara. The Buddha, after his awakening, so the story goes. Mara visited him in all these different forms. Temptation. Uh, all sorts of cool sex stuff. All right. Pain. All right. All these things. Mara threw every single psychological spear he could at the Buddha. And it, so it wasn't that the Buddha, even after his awakening, didn't feel pain. It was that his relationship to the pain was different. After your eventual awakening in the here and now, you will still feel pain. You will still feel 
happiness. You will feel them more. Pain will become more intense. Happiness will become more intense. But your attachment to them has changed so radically that you're actually steady no matter what comes. No matter what comes. So the message that would be so cool if we could give, I, I, I sometimes wish I could speak with that guy who uh, left the meditation center in Thailand because his desperation actually was his way in, was his way out all at once. Here again, Rumi says, Desperation, let me always know how to welcome you and put in your hands the torch to burn down the house. Bring it. Burn down everything that I am clinging to. Because that stuff that I'm clinging to is precisely the veil. And the job of us, each of us, is to help each other become aware of the mask. The mask that Mara wears and the mask that our own small self wears that keeps us from actually recognizing the radiant shimmer of emptiness that's always already there. Allow your pain, allow your depression, allow every face of Mara that comes your way to infuse your witnessing awareness with a hopefulness, with a curiosity, not necessarily a longing or a craving, but let it open you. If you can let your pain open you, you can also then let your love in and out in an unobstructed way. This is a bodhisattva. This is you in your natural state. This is the whole story. Hello. How are you? Good. I feel, uh, is that the whole story? Is that the whole story? You're feeling good? Am I feeling, uh, <laughs> it's a good answer. <laughs> um, I've, uh, when you're talking about witnessing depression or witnessing pain, I feel like, uh, you know, you can kind of watch yourself going through those different scenarios. But I also feel like by watching yourself go through it, it can also kind of reinforce it. Um, because if it's happening a lot, if you're in pain a lot, or you feel depressed a lot, then if you're witnessing a lot, then you feel that way a lot. And so I'm just kind of wondering like how, um, 
how you can kind of work with it without falling into it deeper? Yeah, it's it's a great question, but I, I would I would uh, I want to explore something with you here a little bit. You said I believe I heard when you witness it, you then tend to feel it. Well, I mean, by feeling like you know, if you're in pain, you're feeling the pain, and you recognize that you're in pain. You recognize there's more than your pain, but it's also the recognition. Is well, the freedom from the pain. The reason being, it's pain is the label we give it. The intensity that we run from becomes pain. Okay? Witnessing the pain continually, witnessing the feeling, is our freedom from it eventually. What happens is it starts to lose its grip and our relationship with the pain changes. The pain may still be there and we can still call it pain, but our relationship to that pain begins to fundamentally shift from being caught by it or held within it to watching it. And our view from, from, from the, watch, the watching the intensity is on the outside of it. It can't watch itself. That which watches it is miraculously free from it. And so we practice that all the time. And the, the reinforcing happens when we witness it partially. And then we're in a world of hurt because we, we, can't, we have nowhere to go. We're still, we're still, you know, an individual, so to speak. There's still a me that is being pounded. I guess it's just. I guess I just have a hard time with. Um, I mean, just you know, when I've personally been in pain and I and witnessing the pain, but then the pain's all the time. So if you're witnessing the pain all the time, you're feeling more pain. It, it seems like. I mean, and then you kind of. Uh, you know, you can kind of put a smile on your face and try to forget about it, but that doesn't really help anything either. You're right. That's that's, so. actually, that's actually the wrong move. Right. Right. The witnessing, the feeling, is not the same as feeling. The recognition of that excruciating nature is the work. It is the practice. Mm -hmm. And every Buddha has gone through it. Okay. <laughs> As a follow-on to David's question and your, and your response, what I'm hearing is that you're strongly suggesting that in our witnessing of the pain, we focus on it as a, you know, intently. And that the stronger the pain, maybe, I, maybe this is my interpretation, but the stronger the pain, the more we should focus on it and, and not focus on it intermittently. Am I in interpreting that correctly? Yep. And, and I also, from prior talks, I, I, I'm understanding that it doesn't matter whether that pain is emotional or physical that pretty much all pain 
is an indication of some type of, of resistance. And so again, so that you know, the intent focus on the pain, again, doesn't, doesn't matter whether it's emotional or physical. It's just, for example, this evening during you know, the sitting, you know, my behind side was in intense pain. Mm-hmm. And, and I tried to you know, focus on it intensely. And it, I will confess that I was very relieved when I heard the bell ring. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. Well, to answer your question, you, you did hear correctly. Emotional or physical, regardless, whatever resistance pattern is coming up, we then turn into pain when we label it as pain. It's intensity right. that we're trying to get away from. And the more we're trying to get away from it, the more intense the pain. Mm-hmm. The more we try to meet it, not indulge it, but meet it without running away, the less of a build there can be, the less of a whirlpool, okay? This is not easy, okay? But it is the path. Right. And so while this, this teaching uh, points us directly in this space of opening, the tendency for us, as I mentioned at the very beginning, is to say, well, I, I'm open to the cool stuff. I'm, opening, I'm really open to going and hearing a Dharma talk, you know, and sitting for a half hour, but I'm not interested in actually opening up to everything because that guy at work is a total jerk, or, you know, we've gone through this before, you know, that experience, the, the, you know, the, the, uh, the powers that be in this nation are absolutely evil, or, or in this, this other country, or whatever. I mean, we can look at this politically, economically, psychologically, in any discipline, in any sector of our mind. Welcome all of it, and what happens is boundaries start to dissolve. And as those boundaries start to dissolve, an immense freedom starts to reveal itself if we're open to it. The pain is a way of, in essence, again, here's another word I don't like using, but I will. It's a way of purifying us. It's a way of, in other words, readying us for the explosive strike of the divine. I can understand what you're saying in meeting emotional pain as a tag on to both of their questions Um, and recognizing it and dealing with it and I think the purpose being to resolve it but I think um, I mean I don't I haven't gone through bouts of extreme physical pain but I'm just thinking how I can understand the idea of yes, meeting it and recognizing it, but also finding a purpose in it, I think is probably really difficult. I'm just trying to think of a time when I've been in really intense physical pain and which then brings on emotional pain. And then it's kind of this dark hole and it doesn't seem to have any real purpose when you're in that kind of, um, and I've only, you know, yeah. I'm like comparing this to a really bad flu, you know, right. I really haven't had that. Those can hurt. Well, you know, 
but you know, when you're burning up with fever and all that sure. and everything's very confusing. So I think, um, it's hard to find purpose in something meeting it again and again. Mm -hmm. And it's incredibly hard finding purpose. That's why this teaching is so miraculous. This teaching is suggesting that no matter what your state, you're on the path if you can meet it. And pain has a particularly interesting role to play in this entire experience because it's exactly what we tend to avoid. What is the teaching saying? Avoid nothing. So when we set ourselves up for not avoiding anything that arises, we set ourselves up for the absolute and total vulnerability of any and all attacks, so to speak. And these attacks, actually, we begin to recognize with practice that no matter what they throw at us, they don't destroy that which is true, sacred, and eternal in us. That spirit is untouched no matter what the world throws at us through circumstance. Ultimate life is ready. I can definitely see the going beyond, but I guess in my thought, it's you can resolve emotional pain by meeting it, but physical pain doesn't necessarily find a resolution. Try it. Then tell me. Okay? I'm serious. Try the experiment. Test it. Whenever you are feeling physical pain, meet it. Hopefully you'll never, I mean, I wish for you personally that you never go through amazing personal physical pain. Okay? But what this does, it transforms us. The minute we experience intense physical pain, we begin to understand others' physical and or emotional pain. It uncorks this vast uh, reservoir of compassion in us. And you'll find that people who have never gone through emotional pain or physical pain tend to have naturally less compassion. Why? Because they cannot relate to anybody on a level beyond the personal. They can't see the impersonal nature within another. It's worth a shot at least. <laughs> Michael, this business personal of, of uh, physical pain for the first time in my life I experienced it after Thanksgiving first time in my life of, of extreme physical pain and I was not we almost lost you didn't we yes we did mm -hmm. and I wasn't there I wasn't I was not present for at least a week and then as I became more present uh, I was very aware that I was very sick and my family that I was going to die, which I didn't. Uh, nice job. Nice job, Claire. Yeah. <laughs> what I am experiencing, having been through that, 
is there are a lot of lessons for me, and I'm still finding out what they are. One of them is being very attached to being very healthy for over 70 years, and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm. Uh, there are a lot of lessons which I have yet to uncover, but that's my attachment to good health and gratitude for it. Um, there are a lot of lessons yet right. to be unfolded. Right. Yeah. And in my case, that kind of physical pain, I, I didn't face it or accept it or whatever. I just was what I was doing. Now comes the work for me, though. That's how I see it. Is it painful to recognize that this whole experience will end? Well, that part did. No, but I'm saying. And this, the learning? I'm saying this whole experience we call life. Oh. The temporary nature, when that really reveals itself. Yes. When we are shown that physically we're in excruciating pain, and that really comes from our attachment to not being in physical pain, when we see all of this clinging, we recognize all the unlearning yet to be done. Yeah? You're saying the unlearning? Unlearning. Yes, yes. All this stuff that's being uncovered in you mm-hmm. is being uncovered in you, mm-hmm. recovered mm-hmm. in you. Recognition. You knew it. Recognition. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Damn interesting. And you talk about being curious. Yeah. And, and that sure helps is it's very helpful whether it's emotional or physical or or just going out the door and existing in traffic mm-hmm. yeah. curiosity is it may have killed the cat but it awakens the human go be curious <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming tonight Cheers.